Welcome to the Gathering Church Podcast. We are so glad you're joining us today. For more info about The Gathering, you can check out thegathering.online. Thanks for checking out the podcast. Here's today's message. Hey, we're going to get into the message here on Father's Day. I want to say happy Father's Day to all the dads in the room. Can we give it up for the dads in the room? We have got some really awesome dads in the room. And uh, I want to let you know, if you didn't know, Dad, we have a gift for you outdoors on my right, your left, in that wheelbarrow. We've got some fry pies from Dirt Dutchman for you to say thank you for being a great dad. It's all, all apple, uh, blackberry, peach, whatever. We've got it back there for you before you leave. And I want to say a happy Father's Day to my father-in-law here, Pastor Dennis. It's good to have him here in the building. We got to hang out with the family yesterday playing um, uh, pickleball and playing games together. And I also get to hang out with my dad today. Uh, I'll say happy Father's Day to my dad whenever he hears this later, maybe this week, he'll listen to the podcast. But we'll probably be playing Five Crowns today or watching the Cleveland professional baseball team together or whatever we like to do. But anyways, I'm excited to preach on Father's Day. I'm thankful for the great dad that I have. And maybe before the end of the sermon, I'll tell you a story or two of my impeccable childhood, how great of a kid I was for my father. Made it very easy for him. Um, Also get into the Word of God. But before that, I want to share some dad joke memes that I found. And uh, I don't know where the phrase dad jokes come from, you know? I don't know what it is, but essentially it's a short joke, typically a fun, uh, a pun, and it derives, it's a fun pun, uh, and it derives its humor from being intentionally not funny. Like it's just, or maybe it's not, depending on who you ask. But here's some really dumb uh, dad jokes, and then I'll show you some memes. First, I used to be addicted to the hokey pokey, but I turned myself around, right? Have you heard that one before? Uh, Where does a sick fish go to? He goes to the dock, right? That was for you, Pastor Dennis. I know you love fishing. Um, Why did the scarecrow win an, an award? Because he was outstanding in his field. Just really bad. They like make you cringe, like... Put your face in, in your hands, like what in the world? Um, but I also want to show you some of these memes. And, and I want to show you because typically we like to tease our dads, right? Uh, we, we give them a hard time, but not today, all right? Not on Father's Day. So let's show the first one. It says, happy Father's Day to our least embarrassing parents on Facebook. I don't know if that's true for everyone. Emma, you may disagree with that, with your family. Everybody's different, right? Uh, But most of the time, there's more active moms on Facebook than dads, right? Uh, Let's go to the next one. Um, The second one says, "Every every restaurant in the world is packed on Mother's Day, but they want us, they want the dads to barbecue on Father's Day. Now, that's not fair. Now, I know there are some dads that, right, you want to grill. I talked to a dad this morning. He's like, well, I'm probably going to mow the grass today. I'm like, on Father's Day, what is wrong with you? Like, but some of, us, some of you like to do that. But I also couldn't pass up a moment to give a Ron Swanson meme. I just, it just felt right. Uh, let's go to the next one. For all the young dads with children uh, or early teens that are home, that you're going to be receiving a gift from them, from a child with your credit card that you're purchasing really for yourself, right? You know how that works? Uh, I hope you like that tie that you got this morning, right? Um, I remember as a kid, me and my brothers, we got what we thought was the coolest gift for our dad. We got him a VeggieTales tie, right? That was the coolest thing. I think maybe he wore it one time. I think that was about all that we could get him to watch. Uh, And then let's show the last one. Remember, no dad is perfect, but you're doing a great job, and you really could be doing a lot worse, way, way worse. There's a Star Wars uh, meme for all of you fans. All right, now that we got that out of our system, The message this morning 
is entitled, Being a Dad is No Joke. Being a dad is no joke. It's, it's hard work being a dad, right? There's a lot of responsibilities attached to that because dads are essential in the home. And we're going to look today at what fathering is from the Bible standpoint. What does the Bible say is the standard for fathering? And we're going to jump right into the first point. Fathering is instructing. Fathering is instructing. We see this from Proverbs chapter 1, verses 8 and 9. It says, Hear, my son, your father's instruction, and forsake not your mother's teaching, for they are a graceful garland for your head and pendants for your neck. It is the father's responsibility to instruct his children. Now, it's the children's responsibility to listen to the parents, right? It starts out by saying, hear, my son. But a good father desires to instruct his kids, right? A good father doesn't say, well, figure it out. You, you'll figure it out eventually, right? A good dad doesn't say, well, no one taught me, so I'm not going to teach you. You've got to fend for yourself. No, a, dad, a good dad says, I'm going to tell you what my dad told me. Or a good dad says, you know, I never learned this as a kid, but I'm going to teach you this now so that you know better to grow up. A good father seeks to, to give his children the wisdom of his life. And it says in verse 9, so that the child that receives the word receives a graceful garland for his head and pendants for his neck. What does that mean? It means that a child that receives his father's instruction receives grace and favor and honor in his life because he is gaining wisdom far beyond his years. A father is responsible to instill his children with his wisdom. And one of the things that I remember my dad telling me as I was growing up, and I don't remember the context, I remember this story um, vaguely, but I remember most importantly what he said to me. We were having a disagreement Something about me being stingy with something, I don't remember exactly, but I remember him saying this. He said, you can be stingy with a lot of things, Matt. You can be stingy with a lot of people. You can be stingy with me if you want to, but you're not going to be stingy with three people. You're not going to be stingy with your wife. And Shanna said, amen, when I said that. <laughs> My dad said, you're not going to be stingy with your wife. You're not going to be stingy with your mom. And you're not going to be stingy with God. And I don't remember in the moment how I received that, but obviously I still remember it to this day, and it made an impact on my life. And it takes guts to be a dad, because sometimes you have to have difficult conversations. Sometimes you have to tell your kids not what they want to hear, but what they need to hear. Dads are to be instructing to their children. I remember my dad teaching me spiritual things, but I also remember him teaching me very practical, basic things how to tie my shoes, how to tie a tie, how, how to do all these things, how to drive a car. It's the first time I began to notice gray hairs on, my dad's he on his head begin to form when I was learning how to drive. I don't know if that was just a coincidence or not, but I asked my dad a few months ago, uh, we were just having a question, uh, you know, just talking back and forth. I asked him a question. I said, Dad, what was your favorite car? What was your favorite car? And my dad's not a motorhead, like he's not really about that, but he likes nice things. And he's had some, you know, some cool cars over the years. He had a Cadillac at one point. And so, you know what my dad said to me? He said, my favorite car was the Ford Explorer. And if you don't know, John's laughing because John knows that as a 16-year-old, I got that car and I wrecked it and totaled it. And I was like, dad, like I was just asking you a question. Shots fired. You didn't have to like, 
I wanted to say, well, you taught me how to drive. So no, I didn't say that. I honored, I honored my father. I didn't say that. I'm saying it to you now, but I didn't say it. Um, look at it with me in Ephesians chapter 6. Fathers are instructing. It says this in Ephesians. It says, children, obey your parents and the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Notice one thing about both those verses we see from Ephesians and Proverbs. It starts with first the child. It says first to the the child, listen, hear what your parents are saying. Honor your parents. And it's going back here to one of the first Ten Commandments, right? Honor your, your parents. And it even mentions that there's going to be a reward on this one commandment. And then Paul directly addresses fathers. Verse 4, he tells them not to provoke his children. He tells them what not to do first. He says, don't, don't cause them to be angry, but instead teach them and discipline them. Meaning you can discipline your child without making them angry, right? You can tell them how to do the right thing without yelling at them and domineering over them. If you think about Jesus' example, he, he said in Matthew, he said, the rulers of the Gentiles, they, they rule it over you. They lord it over you. But you be a servant-hearted leader. A good dad, he doesn't say, hey, stop doing that. Stop doing that. We don't do that here. No, he says, hey, we're not going to yell. Okay, we're inside. I can hear you. All right, let's just calm down. Wait, we're not going to bite other children, right? We're not going to do these things. Sometimes you have to get a little bit louder, but you're not going to shout and get angry. You're not going to throw things, right? A good dad explains. He instructs to his children. And dare I say, a good dad, good dad even sometimes has to spank his child. I hope I'm not going to get canceled for saying that. But doing that in the appropriate way, in an appropriate way, is certainly not abuse, and it's a reminder of consequences doing the wrong things. Just like everything, there's a right way to do something, and there's a wrong way to do something. And most importantly, a good dad will ground the instructions, ground the things that he says in the Word of God. It says, verse 4, it says, bring them up in the instruction of the Lord. Dads are to lead their children and their household in the Word of God. Why? Because you got to go back to Proverbs to, to know why. Proverbs 22.6 says, Train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. Our second point this morning, fathering is first instructing. Number two, fathering is mentoring. It's mentoring. I want to point out a couple things in this verse in Proverbs 22. First, it says dads are to train. Another word for that is to dedicate their children. It means first and foremost, you are to dedicate children to God in everything that they do. That's why we as a church will do child dedications, planning to do some in the the future months for newer kids and their parents to come forward and pray over them and say, yes, we as a church, the parents say we're dedicating our child to God and we as a church are going to help them move in the way of God, learn and grow and become a man and a woman of God. It says here, it says, then it says, after train, it says, in the way that they should go. Train in the way they should go. 
I think there's two meanings to when it talks about in the way. First, it means dedicating a child uh, to God in everything that they do. It, it means, you know, teaching them the path of wisdom and life following after God. But I think it has a, a secondary meaning. I think it also means a child's individual way, his inclinations. You know, not, not all children are the same, right? Parents that have more than one kid, you know, your children are not identical. They don't do the same thing. They have different strengths and weaknesses and, and um, abilities and talents. Of course, you have some overarching general parental principles in mind for, for all your children, but they all have different ways that they learn and grow, different learning curves, different pain tolerances, different things that you have to account for. And a good dad factors that in when he is teaching and training his children. You're responsible to train them in a way that a child should go. And then it ends with saying that even when they get old, they will not depart from it. That they won't forget your teachings and they'll continue to follow the path of Christ. Because you can instruct, that's number one, but you also have to train and mentor. You can have an instructor that teaches you once a week, but then he leaves and you don't see him the rest of the week. Fathering is, is instructing, but then it's being able to see them day and day out model the behavior that you want to see them grow up in being. Training and mentoring, it, it happens over time. Modeling and demonstrating. And I want to take this as a moment to say mentoring is, is a father's responsibility, but it's more than just a father. You know, I, I'm blessed to have a great dad in my life, but I'm also blessed by the many men that also came alongside my dad and helped me as I grew to be a man of God. I think about growing up, we had Wednesday night church, just like maybe you grew up with, and we didn't have rangers and girls ministry, but the guys had a group called Knights, and I loved Knights. Uh, it was a little bit different than Royal Rangers, a little bit in ways less structured. And so it would start out with everybody for the first 10, 15 minutes, you know, you had about 90 minutes together. First 10 and 15 minutes, you're getting everybody together, you're praying together, and then the next 30 to 45 minutes, we got to just go outside, release some energy playing football or basketball or kickball. If it wasn't nice outside, then we got to go into the youth game room and play NFL Blitz on the Nintendo 64. Come on, somebody. Anybody love that game? We got to, we got to play pool or, or foosball, and then after that, then for the next 30 or 45 minutes, we'd have to go back into the room. You can imagine how that room is now smelling at this point. A bunch of 9 to 12-year-old boys in this room. Not a very big room either. But at this moment, we'd have a devotion and a teaching. And I had a teacher named Mr. C. And Mr. C was so good in how he addressed us because, in my opinion, he never talked down to us. You know, he never treated us like little kids that wouldn't understand things that he was going through. In fact, a lot of times he would explain things that he was going through in life, in work, in his struggle, and how, as a, as a Christ follower, he would overcome it. He did it in an appropriate way. It was never TMI or too, you know, too much information, but he would tell us stories from work. He works at a place you probably never heard before. It's called Kmart. Anybody remember the blue light special, right? A long time ago. But he, he would tell us frustrations with his boss and, and struggles at work and trying to have a godly attitude when he knew there were people looking at him, knew that he believed in Jesus, and there was a frustrating moment how he could handle that in an appropriate way. 
But most importantly, what I remember Mr. C telling us and teaching us is he built our prayer habits. He gave each one of us a notepad, a little notepad. You don't use that anymore. You have a phone. But before that, you'd have a little notepad to write things down. And he told us every time at a meal that you would have, breakfast, lunch, dinner, take a moment before or after and just write something down that you're praying for in that moment. And of course, after the first week or so, you're not very good at it, right? You maybe remember once, once a day or so, if that. But the more he would keep pestering you every single week, it's like, all right, I'm going to do this. I'm going to get this right from Mr. C. And eventually, I started to, there were more times that I was getting it right than I was missing it. There's more times that I was remembering than I was forgetting. And then I could look back to each day what I felt God was laying on my heart to pray for. And maybe even after a couple weeks, I would see a prayer that was answered from a few weeks ago. All this because a man of God, a mentor in the church, took time to help develop one of the most important things that you can learn in your habits is your prayer life. Fathering is mentoring. And I want to make sure you know today, everyone here, you can be a mentor and not be a dad. There are, are boys and girls years younger than you that need your life experience, and your wisdom in learning how to grow in God, right? You, you can be a mentor and not be a dad. I don't think you can be a dad and not be a mentor, but you can be a mentor and not be a dad. Last thing today, number three, fathering is instructing, it's mentoring, and number three, fathering is praying. It's praying. I want to show you an example of a well-known father in the Bible. He had many songs and, and he had many, many sons, and, and we sang a song about him in Sunday school, right? It would cause your left arm to move and your right foot to move and your chin to be up and to turn around. If you know, you know. I'm talking about Father Abraham, okay? Father Abraham had many sons. And uh, we're going to look at Genesis chapter 17. At this point, Abraham, Abraham and his wife Sarah, they are old in years and have yet to have a child. In fact, this is kind of a messy situation because Sarah was not able to conceive. She wasn't able to have a child. And so she gave Abraham, her handmaid, Hagar, to Abraham so that they could have children, so that he could continue on the family, the family name. Abraham and Hagar, they, they have a child named Ishmael. But then God visits Abraham, and he tells him that he and Sarah will have a child. And that's where we're going to pick up Genesis chapter 17, starting in verse 17. It says this, Then Abraham fell on his face and laughed and said to himself, Shall a child be born to a man who is a hundred years old? Shall Sarah, who is ninety years old, bear a child? And Abraham said to God, Oh, that Ishmael might live before you. God said, No, but, your, but Sarah, your wife, shall bear you a son, and you shall call his name Isaac. I will establish my covenant with him as an everlasting covenant for his offspring after him. As for Ishmael, I have heard you. Behold, I have blessed him and will make him fruitful and multiply him greatly. So God tells Abraham that he and Sarah are going to have a child. And then Abraham just laughs. I think it's intentional that it shows when Abraham is talking to himself and when Abraham is talking to God. 
It says Abraham is talking to himself. It says, How, we are too old. I'm 100 years old. Just so you know, this is not an exaggeration, okay? He's not just embellishing the story. He's actually 100 years old. Sarah is actually 90 years old. He says, there's no way this can happen. It's not possible. He says, instead, God, let Ishmael live before you. Let him be like a spiritual son to Sarah. Ishmael can serve you, God. All because Abraham couldn't believe that Sarah would conceive. But God said, his first thing he says to Abraham is he says, no. He says, no, your wife Sarah will bear you a son. I think this is an important moment to pause because actually, as I was reading this, a lot of times people say the Bible isn't relevant today. You know, these aren't things that we're going through today. I would submit this family situation is actually something that's very relevant for our culture. Sometimes we have messy situations in families. You know, divorces and things that happen, but that doesn't mean that God's still not caring about each and every person in that family, just because you don't see them in the physical. But we see the prayer of Abraham praying for his child Ishmael. Right? It says, God says, I have heard you. He says, no, I, I'm, I'm going to give a biological son through Sarah. But then he says, I've heard your prayer for Ishmael. And I'm going to continue to watch over him for you. I'm going to continue to bless him. He's going to be a great nation as well. This is a simple point, but God hears the prayers of fathers crying out for their children. God says, I will bless your son. He will have a fruitful life. But Abraham had to let go of Ishmael. That had to be tough to let go of a son that you had cut him loose and trust that God would watch over him while he could not. So we see a father here praying for his children, getting ready to leave and never see again. We see a father praying really at the beginning of a child's life. Now I want to show you a father who's praying at the end of his life, praying for his child. I want to move to, to the story of David. David as a father in 1 Chronicles. King David is he's nearing the end of his life, and he's had quite the life, right? Been a lot of highs, been a lot of lows, been a lot of victories, been a lot of defeats in his life. And I love that even when David messed up, God still called him a man after my own heart. See, always was seeking to reconcile to God. God was never too far away from him. And even in the struggles in his life, you read the story of David, he was trying to teach his sons and instruct them. Some of them struggled and fell, and, and others listened and latched on. And, and Solomon was preparing to take over after his father, become the next king after him. And this is what David prays over Solomon in 1 Chronicles 29. It says, O Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac and Israel, our fathers, keep forever such purposes and thoughts in the hearts of your people and direct their hearts towards you. Grant to Solomon, my son, a whole heart that he may keep your commandments, your testimonies, and your statutes, perform, performing all, and that he may build the place for which I have made provision." See, here at the beginning, David starts his prayer. And I love that he first begins with acknowledging his fathers, right? Saying, our, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, our fathers. He honors them. And then after that, he says, to grant Solomon, my son, 
a whole heart. Give Solomon a whole heart, a complete heart, a heart of peace. Why? Because a heart that is whole will keep the commands of God. He'll remember the testimonies of God's goodness to him. And lastly, David prays that he may build the place for which I have made provision. What he's talking about here is he's talking about building the temple, a place where people could go and worship God and bring sacrifices to God. And if you back up in the story, if you know David actually desired to build this himself. He went to the prophet. He said, this is in my heart to do this for God. The prophet said, that's a great idea. And then the prophet went, and had a, went to sleep and he had a dream and God said, actually, no, I'm glad that's in your heart, David, but you've got too much bloodshed on your hands. You've got too many things you've gone through. You need your next son to be a son, a man of peace. Let him build the temple. The prophet goes back and tells this to David. So when he says this, when he's talking about, go back to, he may build the place for which I have made provision. He's saying, David provided this cornerstone, this foundation, so that Solomon could move forward. And dads, you, your life is meant to pave the way for your children, both physically, of course. You know, you, you want to give them everything you can to set them up for success. You want to give them a good education. You want to give them the opportunity to chase the dreams that God has placed on their hearts. But most importantly, you need to spiritually prepare them. You want your, their spiritual strength to start out where you left off. You want to pass on to them your walk and your relationship with God. Dads, I'd encourage you, if your child can see you do anything, let it be watching you get into the Word of God daily. Let it be watching you pray and kneel before God in desperation daily because you need God's strength to be the man of God for your family. I think back to my childhood, and I, I was the kid that struggled to sleep well at night. I was the kid, if you're a parent in the room, you know this, you may know what this is like. To, I was the kid that would go and pester my parents when I couldn't sleep at night. And in the middle of the night, I knew which parent to go to. It was my mom. She was a little bit more empathetic to me. She was a lot easier to wake up. You know, if I went to my dad to wake him up, waking him up would absolutely wake my mom up five minutes earlier, you know? So I would just go to my mom and say, Mom, I can't sleep. But in the morning, if it was early in the morning and I couldn't sleep, I knew where to go to. I, would, I knew I could go to my dad at that point because I could hear my dad getting up early. I could hear him walking down the hall, down the stairs, and I could hear him downstairs in the basement early in the morning praying. And I knew multiple times, anytime I wanted to, I could walk down to the basement. I could walk up to my dad, and as he was pacing the halls of the basement, in stride, he would pick me up and continue to be praying both in English and in his spiritual prayer language. Dads, I encourage you, let there be nothing better that your, your child can see you doing than daily calling out to God for protection of your family. Every day, this, this is where I'd see my dad every day, daily. And I want to show you one, one more passage of scripture where there's a dad praying for his kids. It's the story of Job chapter 1. Job chapter 1 verse 5 says, And when the days of the feast had run their course, 
Job would send and consecrate them. He would rise early in the morning and offer burnt offerings according to the number of them all. For Job said, it may be that my children have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. Thus Job did continually. Continually. Job, Job had a lot of kids. He had seven sons and three daughters. And his kids, they would get together. They would throw parties. And, and so Job would go and after the party, the next morning, he would offer burnt offerings. Essentially, he was going and he was praying for the forgiveness of their sins in case, in case during the party, not that the party was a sin, but in case during the party they had made a mistake, said something they shouldn't have. And the verse ends with saying, Job did this continually. Other versions say, Job did this regularly. He would consistently be praying for his children. I don't know what stage of life you're in, but you might have children that are older and maybe they're beyond your daily influence, but they are not beyond the influence of God. And you can always pray and lift them up before the Lord. You know, you might have kids that are beyond your reach. They are not beyond God's reach. And the prayer of a father reaches our heavenly father. And by faith, you as a parent, you as a dad, you as a mom, you can move the arm of God through your prayers. A lot of times in prayer, fathering is really surrendering. It's saying, God, I surrender over the control of my child's life and I submit it to your hands. They are your children and God, you've been my spiritual father. You've watched over me, and, and I know that you will be their spiritual father, and you will watch over them as well. We've kind of been all over the scripture this morning, but just from a small sampling of scripture, what the Bible says about dads and, and parents and fathering, it says a father should be instructing, training, disciplining, praying for your children so that they will have the grace and the favor and the wisdom and they'll continue in the path of life throughout their life. And all that tells me, dads, here's me this morning, all that tells me what you do, who you are, is absolutely vital to your family's success. They need your wisdom and your guidance. I don't care how the media tries to portray a dad. I don't care what the world tries to say about fatherhood or its insignificance. It's clear from the word of God that your voice of authority over them and your approval of them is vital to a child's development. Are you with me this morning? It's kind of quiet. We have to stop allowing the world to define and downplay fatherhood. Because when we do that, we lose the wisdom and the guidance of a man for his child. Fathering is instructing, it's mentoring, it's praying. It's a lot of other things, I know. But I think if we can get those th three things right, we're doing a lot right in fatherhood. We're doing a lot right for the, the children that are coming beyond us, generations to come. Worship team, you can come join me. Growing up as a kid, I, I know one of the best feelings that I could feel as a kid was knowing someone's proud of me. But there's something different about knowing that my dad was proud of me. And uh, I, I wanted my dad, you know, to look at me with approval. Anything that I did, I wanted him to see it. I wanted him to see if I got good grades in school. 
I didn't want him to see it if I got bad grades in school, but I wanted him to see it if I got good grades. I wanted him to see when I played well in soccer or basketball or one of the sports that he would coach or he was sitting on the sidelines writing down my stat line so I could look at it later and be impressed at myself. I wanted my dad to be impressed that even if I did something small right in a home maintenance project that I'm doing, anything. And I'm thankful that all of us, no matter what your background is, we serve a God that desires to be your spiritual father. You might wonder, why, why do we say God the Father? It's not that God's a man. God's a spirit. But God embodies the heart of authentic fatherhood. And there's a reason that Jesus instructs us when he says, when we pray, start by praying our Father. Because God desires to be the Father the heavenly father to all his children. And we know that when Jesus was on earth, he prayed to his father over and over again. Jesus always wanted his father to be proud. He only said what his father said. He only would do what he could tell his father leading him to do. And it reminded me of, of one moment when God voiced his pride and his approval of his son. The last scripture I'm going to show you this morning is when Jesus was baptized in the book of Matthew. Read with me in Matthew chapter 3. It says, And when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water. And behold, the heavens were opened to him. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. God was pleased with his son, Jesus. He was proud of his son. And I asked my dad if he would tell a proud dad moment. If there was a moment that he could think back to. The first one that came to mind was thinking about looking out the, out the front door and seeing his sons wash and wax the car. Isn't that a classic dad thing to be proud of your sons doing a chore, right? But he was looking out the window and he said, for whatever the reason, in that moment, he felt a heightened sense of pride. And not because of what his sons were doing, but just proud, proud of who they were, that they were his children. Not because we were doing a perfect job washing and waxing the car, because I bet you we weren't, but just proud of who we were as his, as his sons. And in this moment, he said, my dad said in that moment, he felt God tell him and speak to him and say, this is how I feel. This is how I look at you. You don't have to perform for me. You don't have to do anything. I enjoy you because you are my son. And my dad said in that moment, tears began to, to well up in his eyes as he felt God speaking this over him and this feeling of the pride of a father. I was thinking how to close this service and talk about, we talked a lot of things about dads, but whoever you are, wherever you are, I want you to know today, there's a heavenly father that is looking down at you right now and he is proud of you. Doesn't matter what you've done, great things, bad things. Father God looks down and says, I am proud of my son. I am proud of my daughter. This morning, we're going to close with a song.
It's called Pride of a Father, and the worship team thought it was an appropriate song to end the morning, and I couldn't agree more. We're going to sing the song, and as you learn it, I just encourage you to look at the words. Let them wash over you. The, the pride of Father God is over you right now, wherever you are, wherever you've come from. So as we close, would you stand up with me? Let's get ready to sing this song together. Let me pray over you. God, we thank you for this time together. I thank you that you are our proud heavenly father. There's nothing we've done to deserve your love and your pride. There's nothing we've done to lose it. You're proud of your children. And right now we just take a moment to focus on you and worship you in this moment. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you for listening to today's message. The Gathering is a place where you can belong to a church that loves you, believe in the God who is bigger than you, and become who God created you to be. For updates, service times, or ways to get involved, check out thegathering.online. And if you enjoyed listening today, consider rating it or sharing it with a friend. We love you. The best is yet to come.